My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Covenant Church, and it's my honor to, to bring the word tonight on this baptism Wednesday. Tonight, we're going to pick up where Pastor Dehan left off last week. He's in the midst of a series called God is Bigger. Last week, he talked about how God is bigger than our failures. And this week, I want to focus on the fact that God is bigger than our sin. I feel like there's no more appropriate topic than sin on a night when we celebrate baptisms. And we celebrate being uh, brought into new life after previously being enslaved to sin. We go down in the water and we come out in a new life of Jesus Christ, free from that which previously uh, entangled us. More dangerous than global warming, terrorism, or anything else that threatens humanity, that brings threat to us is the threat of sin. The threat of sin is always fatal. There is no making it past sin. It will kill you every single time. That's what we learn in the book of Romans. It says that the wages of sin is death. And that means that, that what is sown in sin harvests death. Sin is lawlessness. It's rebellion. It's taking things in our own hands and doing it our own way, as Pastor Donnell mentioned. It's insisting on doing it our own way, our, our own plan, according to our own purposes, with complete disregard for the plan or the purposes of God. Every single person is born into sin. With the exception of Jesus Christ, all of us were born into a sinful nature where we were slaves to our own feelings, our own purpose, our own emotion, our own plan. Our conscience knows this to be true, which is why we try and hide when we're in sin. We hide from God, we hide from truth, and we use a variety of things to do so. I saw it happen in my house just this morning. I told my son he couldn't have some candy. And he made his way to the freezer and he took out a, a popsicle. It wasn't candy. Fair enough, but when I walked into the kitchen and I saw him there just enjoying that popsicle at 7 o'clock in the morning, he took off like a shot and went and hid behind the couch. I didn't have to tell him, hey, David, I told you no candy. He knew in his heart that he was in rebellion to what I had told him to do. I haven't had to teach a single one of my children to disobey me. Haven't had to do it. There was not a moment where I said, hey, when daddy tells you to do something, scream at me, throw a fit, lay down on the ground and make me feel awful. I didn't do that. You know, it's been this way ever since Adam and Eve first sinned. And you can see in Genesis 3, you don't have to go there. I'm going to fly through this very quickly. But um, they ate the apple that they weren't supposed to eat, or the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. They ate from the forbidden tree. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths. And they heard the sound of God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But God called to them. Where are you? And they said, I heard the sound of the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. We do the same thing today. In our sin, 
We try and cover ourselves. We don't use fig leaves, do we? We use clothes and nice cars. We use our career. We use our status, our neighborhood, our jobs. We build up these elaborate houses made of cards to hide the insecurity, the shame, the guilt of the sin that we're in. The problem with anything that we build to hide our sin is that it fades away. The fig leaves wither. And everything else doesn't go the distance that we would expect it to. It doesn't cover sufficiently. And then they hid from God. (laughs) How effective is that? (laughs) Hiding from God. So when my son hid from me behind the chair except for the whole bottom half of his body was sticking out. David, I I see you. Now he got it honest. He even has my name. Now we hide from God too, don't we? Because of shame or guilt. Because of insecurity, we build up these things so that, you know, maybe the person down the road from you thinks you're okay that you don't have any struggle, that you don't have any, anything that you're up against, no obstacle for you, right? I'm great, brother. <laughs> Sister. But the guilt that keeps us hiding from God is the guilt that allows us to remain in sin, and it's ultimately the guilt that will allow us to die in it. We die as a result of hiding. Because we avoid the one thing that we so desperately need to get set free from the sin. But y'all, this isn't what God desires for us. This isn't his plan. This isn't his purpose. This isn't his heart for us. His plan for us was that we would know him. We would walk with him. We would enjoy fellowship with him. I know that this isn't what he wants because he makes his plan very clear for us in the Bible. And as if I can go on a side note for just a moment, we as the, the, the son and daughters, sons and daughters of God, we need to get very serious about this book. We need to get very serious about this Bible. Not as a textbook, but as a source of life, a source of revelation of who he is, what his plan is. Now, I know the Bible's under attack. I know this. People say it's out of date. People say the Bible is outdated and not relevant for today's time. It's, it's irrelevant. It's, it's time gone by. Our morals have changed. Everything's evolved. Get on track, Christian. When are you going to re- realize that it's a fairy tale, Christian? Let me encourage you that this is ancient, but it's not out of date. This is an ancient text written by somewhere around 50 people spanning 4,000 years of human history talking uh, that was compiled over 1,600 years of writing at various times. Ancient, but not outdated. Let me tell you why it's not outdated. It's not like something that can expire. I, th- I think part of it, we were so used to things becoming dated that we, we've wrongly applied it across the board. When I bought this iPhone, it was outdated before I turned it on. Before it was activated, it was out of date. 
If you buy a vehicle, it's lost value before you drive it off the lot. If you buy a house, the water heater breaks before you can take a shower. We're used to things losing its value when it gets further away from when it was made. That's not the case with truth. Truth doesn't change. It's not out of date because the subject matter is not out of date. What is the Bible about after all? It's an, the overall narrative of the Bible is about God. Now, I've done, a, I've done, a, I've done a, um, an exercise with a number of people in, the, in recent weeks, and I said, what are the themes of the Bible? And all of us, including myself, came back with some really good ideas. It's about um, forgiveness. It's about love. It's about lordship. It's about all these different things. But we, almost without fail, we forgot to say God. We get so excited about our Christian walk and what we're supposed to be doing, we forget that it's not really about us, but it's about what he's done. Just calling back to our sinful nature where it revolves around us and me knowing and my way, and this is for me, and God, you serve me, don't you? When God is saying, no, 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 every book in this Bible, every page in this Bible points to my glory, it points to my purpose, it points to my goodness, my greatness, my mercy, my justice, my grace. And if we got it, when we got to look at it this way, we need to know it this way. We need to read it this way. We need to ingest it this way. It's not another book. This reveals who he is, holy, just, righteous, pure, and so on. It reveals what he's doing. He's working to restore us to his original purpose. Not because we're so great, but because his plan is so great and he is so holy. And he's got a thing about getting his way. It teaches us, it teaches us how he's doing it. Through his son Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're redeemed and brought into relationship with him. Sin is broken, death is broken, and we walk in freedom from these things. And it talks about what is our appropriate response to everything that he's done and to who he is, which is repentance, surrender, gratitude, thankfulness. So what has changed about the nature of God or the character of man that this would be out of date? Absolutely nothing. For despite all of our advances in technology, despite all of our advances in science, we failed to solve the problem of human sinfulness, selfishness, lust, greed, pride. There's no science. There's no psychology or philosophy that can bring cure to this issue of sin. Just fig leaves. That'll cover it. So I can play flappy bird and hide from my insecurity. Instead of dealing with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I can surf Facebook and Twitter and watch other people live their lives. Instead of responding to the prompting, prompting of God, we can hide in, in cable TV and 24-hour news cycles. But I'm not here tonight with bad news. I'm here with good news. 
right? The good news is that we can clearly understand through his word that God is bigger than sin. This is what we know. God is bigger than sin because he promises it in his Bible. He promises it in his word. Among the promises that he makes to us is complete victory over every ruler and authority. Let's go to Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your f- flesh, God made together with him, made, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Verse 14, he's canceled our debt. Remember, I, I, I quoted Romans at the beginning. I said, for the wages of sin is de- uh, death. That's what's been canceled. I have earned death as a result of my own sinfulness. But Jesus paid my debt. And it's canceled. And then verse 15, and this is what I get excited about. And as we prepare to close, he disarmed them. He made a spectacle of it when he did it. Imagine for me, imagine with me for a moment. Jesus shows up on the scene and he does his ministry life and and. Uh, The enemy is scared to death. That's the Messiah. He's the king. Heaven's looking down. Angels and demons are watching and warring. God has sent his son to go and reign, to go and rule. The religious elite are terrified. They're scared. This guy's not playing by our rules. Let's put him away. Let's murder him. We're going to have to kill him. That's the only way we're going to deal with this. And so they put him up on the cross. And I'm sure the enemy was rejoicing. He's almost dead. He's almost dead. We almost have victory. Those who hated Jesus are like, oh, it's over now. We're, we're, we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. Jesus is about to die. Nothing to worry about. You can go home. Nothing to see here. He's no king. He's no Messiah. Save yourself, Jesus. And he died, and you, you, would, you would imagine that hell is going nuts. They're rejoicing. They're pumped. Everybody's excited. The disciples are de- dejected. They're hiding. They're denying they ever knew him. But then, Jesus gets up out of the grave, and he's like, death, not even you can hold me. Shame, not even you can hold me. 
He made a spectacle of it. Do you remember when Usain Bolt, he got the world record and he turned around and ran sideways and watched people? We made a big deal out of that because he beat them so bad, he was able to turn around and watch them lose. You don't do that in 100 meters. You don't do that in a mile. He made a spectacle. So if you imagine the grand narrative of man sinning and God saying, I'm not satisfied with you and your sin. I'm going to come and I'm going to destroy sin. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and destroys it. I'm yelling because I love it. Come on. He disarmed it. When you disarm someone, they have no power over you. We got to close because we got baptisms. But this is why we're here tonight, isn't it? Family, because Jesus did something extraordinary for us. 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross to disarm that which would take us to death. And he's still doing it today. He's not dying today, but in his life, we have life. Today, we're celebrating that he went under and he died on our behalf and he came out victorious and we rise in his victory. Better than any Redskins victory or football team where it's like, we won. No, they won. You cheered for them. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, I'm not a sports. I had to break up with sports. They won, you cheered for them. It's a little, but we're like, hey, we shared in the victory. Well, you gave them money. This is, he rose from the dead and walked in victory and we experience, share in, inherit, walk in and share his victory. So that's why we're here tonight. That's why I'm here tonight. I'm gonna celebrate what happened in these people's lives. That somebody had the courage to go to these people and say, hey, you're living in sin, you're living in death, but there's life available to you. You don't have to be there anymore. There's freedom for you now. Somebody did that for these people. So for some of you, this is just a reminder about what the message is. This isn't, uh, this isn't social justice, which is great. This isn't economy or government, which is great. We need that. This is the gospel. It's the great story of God coming and redeeming us, redeeming all of humanity. But you might be here tonight because you're tired of wearing fig leaves. And your fig leaves, you've sewn them together, you've put them the best, together the best you can, but today, you know you're a phony. You've got religious speak. You can say the right words. You can show up on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. You can show up at small group, but the devil's getting your lunch. And if that's you tonight, I want to pray with you.